Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Quarterfinal Saturday at the 2023 Division I Men's ITA National Indoor Championships is officially in the books. Hopefully all of you tennis fans had the opportunity to join us at some point throughout the day on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, our team so fortunate to be able to broadcast each and every point of the action. It's myself. Mike Cation, Super Producer Daniel Westoff on the call. Not just the past two days, but of course the next two days as well. We'll have exclusive coverage of the semifinals, of the finals on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, to help set the scene for semifinal Sunday tomorrow, what we want to do here on this show today is recap all four of our thrilling quarterfinal matches, each of the matches providing a distinct storyline and each of the matches providing so much drama, so much high-level action, so much intensity throughout the course of the day. That, of course, I had to bring in the big gun to help me recap everything we saw unfold on Saturday. Of course, you know this guest best as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks Formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lean, mean, vegan machine, the professor, the only man crazy enough to stay up till 12. 30 a.m. on a Saturday night to chat about things happening in the college tennis world. It's my dear friend, Chris Helioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Let me ask you this. Before we get into any of the tennis, what was better, quarterfinal Saturday at the National Indoors or the seven intros to this podcast you had to sit through before I finally got it right? I Well, you know, it's it, they, they run similarities. Each one gets progressively better as you go along and you finish with the good one. Very well said. I think you're casting me in a more positive light than I deserve as, again, it's late. We've done about 14 hours of talking already here at Crack Rackets on Saturday, but I think I got a good 45 minutes left in me as, again, a phenomenal quarter final day. I'm thinking back, Chris, to some of the quarterfinal days we've covered in the past. Even last year's NCAA tournament I thought was really good, but like it was how different all four of these matches were throughout the course of the day, Chris. Again, let's start big picture, 10,000-foot view. Did you learn, you know, as we're tri- – because the national indoors, again – once again, listeners, be ready for run-on thoughts here. It is late at night here on Saturday. We've done a lot of talking, but did you learn anything big picture about the tiers we have right now of teams in college tennis? Did you Do you feel like, again, we're starting to get an inner circle in the national championship conversation? Or to the point that Mike Cation has made repeatedly on our broadcast, I think it's a good one. How much of your analysis of what's happening this weekend has been clouded by the fact that, A, we're indoors, but B, we're playing on fast indoor hard courts, which really isn't something we do that frequently. Does that impact your judgment of what we've seen, or do you view this still as the pecking order event it so frequently is? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know that I would say I've learned a, a ton here. The, what I learned would you more say than you learnered? Come on, yeah. come on. <laughs> I'm, I haven't seen that either. But uh, uh, no, I mean, honestly, what I what I get more out of these events, uh, like you said, when you play these close matches, 
indoors on a super fast surface, that's not going to translate to outdoor on a slow court uh, at all. It's going to be a totally different match. What I do learn from these events is just who's healthy, Mm -hmm. who's where on these rosters, like the teams that I feel like are weak at five and six. And there's a hand, I mean, a bunch of good teams that I still have questions about, say, five and six. You at least get to see what you think, you know, Sure, it's relative. It's it's a fast indoor surface, but you can still get a sense for, yeah, they're probably going to struggle in those spots or no, they're probably going to be better than I thought they were. Those are the things I learned more than anything. Yeah, everybody wants to win. Uh, but as we saw today, you could take two teams that played each other, you know, two weeks apart and come out with a different result. And that's going to be even more exaggerated when you get to outdoor tennis. Mm -hmm. To your point, sometimes it's not about the team results. Sometimes it's about the individual things that transpire. To your point, it's what are the spots that feel like locks across the country? You know, right now, I'll use some examples. Joshua Lopit out of Kentucky, right? It feels like he has brought lock status over from the 2022 season for Ohio State. We'll get into them in a second, but Cash, Trotter, doesn't matter who you throw out against those guys. They feel like locks at this portion of the season. Maybe you want to throw Andre Styler of Michigan onto that list. Sander Jong of TCU. What are the best doubles points we see in the country? You're absolutely right. Less so than the big picture ordering of the tiers. This is about finding out who are those special individuals who can thrive regardless of the level of competition that they face day in, day out. And to that end, oh my God, did we have so fucking many, it's an early swear word, Chris, so fucking many breakout performances here on quarterfinal Saturday. Again, it's continuing a trend we've really seen throughout the course of this weekend and what Chris and I plan on doing. Again, here on today's show, we're only going to stick to the main draw. I will ask you for a consolation take, literally one take. We're actually going to be disciplined about those consolation matches at the end, but we're going to break down each of these quarterfinal matches, and let's just get right to it. Let's go reverse order. Let's start with the big one, the only upset we had on the day. Texas, after getting knocked out 4-0 in Columbus, 15, excuse me, 13 days ago. It was 13 days ago. They went to Columbus. They lose that match 4-0. They don't win a single set, not one in doubles, not one in singles. They come out. They beat the top-seeded, undefeated Ohio State 4-3 to advance to the semifinals. Now, let's just start with a doubles point, and we'll go in waves here. Ohio State Lushanik, Trotter, they take care of business at the number one spot. 6-4 decision there. They get an early break on Spazeri and Harper. They hold on to that break the rest of the way. After the Buckeyes take that set at the number one spot, it felt like the doubles point was easily going to be theirs as Robert Cash and Justin Boulay had a 5-1 double break lead at the number two doubles position over P.Y., Pierre Bailey, and C.M. Waldeep, who are playing at that two spot. Now, credit to Chi-Chi Huang and Micah Braswell. They were just as excellent as Luchanik and Trotter were at one for the Longhorns at three. And they're actually the first decision off the board. 6-2, Texas takes it. It comes down to those one and two spots. Ohio State gets one, but all of a sudden, 5-1 becomes 5-all. And Texas levels things in the doubles. They ultimately force a breaker to decide things, but that's when things begin to go awry 
and Pierre Bailey, P.Y., as we'll recall him the rest of the way here on this show. He had about six volleys that he either missed in the net immediately or he overcooked along. And all of a sudden, Cash, Boulay, give the Buckeyes a 7-6 set. They take the doubles point one love. And truth be told, Chris, or they take the doubles point in a one love lead. And truth be told, Chris, it felt like in that moment, right, that they had averted disaster. That had they lost that 5-1 lead at two, had they dropped the doubles point, now you start to think, oh no, we're in some serious trouble. But the fact that Ohio State took that doubles point, let's just start there. What was your reaction to all of that? Because it did get funky. Yeah, well, for sure, blowing the 5-1 lead. And uh, since I listened all day, I'll point out that that was a one <laughs> One zero lead, uh, oh. and Mike Cation would be very disappointed in you. Let right me now. just say that very, very clearly, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that that little segment segment there between you and Mike. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean that the five one disappearing, and then in reality, what I thought was going to come, I thought it was going to be a at the end of the night. Potentially, Texas looks back at the way they ended yes. up blowing it because yes, yes because yes. Bailey goes. They go and he misses four volleys in a row to lose the game and go down six, five, and they have to break back just to get it to a breaker. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, if they hold serve there without him missing four volleys at the net. And, and let's then, be clear. They were four on top of the uh, net. Yeah, and they it were not. It wasn't like court, tough. Back, yeah. Backhand net tape. He then sails one and that's the game. And and if they if they if they manage to hold and then get the break they did and take the doubles point, I'm thinking to myself at that point, highway robbery. Wow, yeah, they're gonna look back at this and go, if we lose a four three match after what we just did in doubles, man, that's gonna that's gonna sting. Uh, but but yeah, it was great composure from Ohio State to turn around and get it. But what? But the way Texas got back in that from what seemed to be, I mean that that doubles point was gone. Uh, what it was seemed gone. to be, what seemed, seemed to be, I, to be. I'm, uh, believe I like my brain is broken right now, Chris. All I hear when I hear Taha body now is body, yada, 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 yada. Like that's all I got now. I, my brain is just, it's broken from two straight <laughs> weekends of broadcasting, but that's exactly it. You summarized the doubles point so succinctly. It felt like after that, after all the effort Texas made to come back, it's like, wow, Ohio State still takes it. And, like, good luck finding four singles victories against this team. We might really come back to have this bite us in the derriere. And, look, to Ohio State's credit, they played a really good first 25 minutes of singles. You know, J.J. Tracy's up an early break on Micah Braswell. He's doing his thing. He takes a 6-3 set. James Trotter's up 4-1 before you even know it. And he takes a 6-2 set over CM Waldy. But, again, credit to the Texas Longhorns, who just kept fighting everywhere. And we'll get to Elliot Spazieri in a second. We'll get to Micah Braswell in a second. I think if you're going to name an MVP for this match, Chris, it's got to be Nevin Aramilli, right? Like for Nevin Aramilli, who I joked about this on the broadcast. I'm sure you heard it in Game of Thrones speak. He's the prince that was promised, right? How many times have you and I talked to Bruce Burke over the years and he's like, please ask me about Nevin. Like, just trust me, Nevin, eventually at six, just ask me about him because you're not going to regret it. 
Well, how about Nevin fucking Aramilli? 6-4-6-1 over Luchonic. Levels the match at one. Now, eventually, Trotter does make it 2-1. But at that point, Spaziri Boule already nearing the finish line in the third. And to Elliott's credit, 6-4-2-6-6 love played it in elite third set where he was just all over Boule from the start. That levels things at two apiece. Then you just have third sets everywhere. And, you know, again, it starts with Cash it, at Cash and Harper going three. And credit to Robert Cash drops the first set, 7-5. He takes a 6-2, 6-3, second and third set to put point number three on the board for the Buckeyes. Micah Braswell, clearly healthy. Once again, for these Texas Longhorns, 3-6-6-1-7-5. Braswell takes it over J.J. Tracy. That gets us to three-all where P.Y. Bailey, down 7-6-5-4, breaks Kingsley for 5-all. Down 7-6-6-5, breaks Kingsley for 6-all. Started playing with an aggression in the second set breaker, com- uh, down, sorry, with his back against the wall, down 5-4, combined with the fact that Cannon Kingsley was clearly not 100% healthy. As that second set went on and throughout the course of the third, you could see him grabbing and limping on that left ankle. And again, it's a credit to Bailey, whose combination of physicality, aggression, down the home stretch of the match, it gives Texas a 4-3 victory. They rush PY. As soon as that match ends, Texas to the semifinals. Now, that's how it all happened, Chris. There's the story for our listeners who missed it. What was your reaction to the entire singles portion of this match? Uh, My first reaction was, look, I'll be honest, especially after taking the doubles point, and I had put it in the in the chat that Mike was, you know, referring to, you know, in between doubles and singles. I was shocked to see Cannon Kingsley take the court. Mm-hmm. We know coming off the court yesterday, he was he was already not 100 percent. Clearly, he was going to get some therapy and whatever overnight. But, you know, I would have said there's no chance this guy's playing a three set match tomorrow. He better finish it in straight sets. Now, I would also say that. Had Alex Bernard not come up sick and unable to go today, probably a really good chance we don't see Kingsley in the singles lineup. Did that force their hand? Man, there's going to be so many second-guessing decisions, you know, from the coaching staff, I got to believe. I mean, I know they don't want to, but you can't help but think about, boy, should we have played Cannon? Without, you know, we, we didn't play Alex. We could have played Anthrop. We played Lachana. Hell, even if we leave Cannon in, we could have played, you know, Anthrop at six. So many questions uh, for the lineup. But yeah, I think it was just, it was a matter of that really did. Cannon unable to finish it, for, first of all, was, I mean, that that was tough. I, I didn't feel, I felt like I didn't want to look, I didn't want to look like an idiot in arrears, but I wanted to put out as soon as he lost that second set, this match is over. Because there, I mean, I did not see any way. I just didn't want, I don't, I don't want to count them out, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's only so much you can do when you're, you know, clearly, like you said it, he was clearly hurt. His ankle's not good. And he he did everything he could to fight. But you just, you know, when you're playing a guy that's the level of P.Y., unless P.Y. just chokes it, which he didn't, you know. Mm, he almost did. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he he tried. But, but you know, I mean, he he came up and, and did what he, 
did what he had to do. Now, I will say this. You asked me for my general thoughts. My other general well, hold thoughts. Hold on. Let me let me stop you there. So, so that's the piece. We're just going to get right into it from the start. Here's the argument. When you're All-American, Cannon Kingsley, who didn't play bad last night against Hunter Hack, 7-5-5-7, he's right there in the mix, and he says to you, no, coach, I'm good to go. I'm fine. I'm ready. They played a really good double set yesterday. Now, maybe the double set he and Tracy played today might have been some foreshadowing of, ooh, maybe I shouldn't play Cannon here at that number two spot, but like... I disagree. Like I, I just Never. I understand. Tell, I, tell know, me one. Tell me I, one player that's ever going to tell you no. I don't think I'm ready. No, because I like too many players, and I'm not going to. There's, there's specific. not a single player uh, in the country that's going to say. That. I don't no. know about that. Here's what I'll say. I get it. I would ride with Cannon till the death. He again. He served for the matchup five four. Chris. He served for the matchup six five. He finishes the job on either of those occasions. We're not Agreed. having this conversation. We're talking about yeah. the Buckeyes advancing to the well, semifinals, that- and will Cannon be playing tomorrow? But to your point, you know Bernard got injured. No, no, I'm saying that's what we would be talking about had Cannon gotten through, and it would be like, okay, well, now do you play him again for a oh. third time? And yeah, because yeah. uh, you made a face as if like, yeah, yeah, there's about no chance. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, um, look. I think part of this, you got to give credit to PY. Like, again, down 5-4, he said, you know what? I'm going to hit my forehand. And, like, I might miss it, but I'm going to start going inside in. I'm going to start going down the line. I'm going to start doing all these different things that I've just been too tentative to do when we've been in neutral throughout the course of this match, and it just started to work. And slowly but surely, the pressure he put on Cannon, dare I say, exacerbated the injury and again, it's a credit to PY, who, by the way, hasn't been healthy since, I don't know, March of last season. Last year, like, yeah. it, he hasn't been healthy in so long. And the sophomore, who was the Big 12 freshman of the year last season, you know, this is what we expected to get in PY Bailey when he ultimately and originally committed to uh, and agreed to play college tennis at Texas. And we got him here tonight. So, obviously, and I think on the broadcast, it's inevitable that this is going to happen when you see a player so clearly hampered by injury. That's going to be the storyline because we know in the booth what Cannon's capable of. He wasn't playing at that level today. But again, credit to P.Y. who made that match physical, who lingered around long enough to ultimately get over the finish line. You just wonder from a confidence perspective, what is this going to do for Bailey moving forward? The trust he may now have in his game after getting a result like this. And it's not just him, right? You look for Micah Braswell. What a three-set win for him over fellow junior J.J. Tracy. Elliot Spazieri's not hitting with full confidence, through that backhand, and it's actually funny. I think he's way better hitting the backhand return when it's instinctual and there's no choice than when he has time on the backhand because he sits down on the base like, how do I hit this again? Do I drive through? Is it over the shoulder? Should I slice it? Like, you can tell when he's instinctual with the two-hander, it's fine. When he has time, it isn't. But, like, all those guys came through after just being hampered. And, god damn, I let you and Nick, Nick Gruskin, and I suppose John Parsons to some extent, make me walk back my fondness for Texas at the start of the season. Do you remember the monologue I did on the preseason pod where I was like, they're a year away, and now it's that year, and they've got all this veteran leadership, and all they got to do is stay healthy. Well, they are healthy now, Chris. And again, like, we'll get back to – well, okay, I cut you off. Again, disjointed podcast, late at night. I apologize, listeners. Finish the rest of your thoughts here. 
Yeah, well, I'll, I'll respond to one thing you said, then I'll Please. finish the rest of my thoughts. The Spaziri, the, what you pointed out, totally valid. But that's because on the re, on the serve, he can take all of that pace and 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 come over the top, and it's half block, and sure. it's and it's right, and it's good. It's a lot harder when you don't you don't have as much pace just off a of ground stroke, right? But yeah, he is starting even even off the ground, he's starting to hit it and hit it better. But but back to where I was going, uh, the and and you kind of you hit on it, and it was both in the Braswell match and the Cannon Kingsley PY match. For a team match that had, there was a lot of drama and a lot of intensity around the, I mean, obviously, super long match, comes down to a third set, uh, you know, on two, everybody's into it. The level, honestly, was slightly disappointing. I mean, Cannon serving for it, 5-4, can't do it. Cannon serving for it, 6-5, doesn't do it. Braswell serves for it, you know, at 5-4 doesn't do it oh there were breaks everywhere yeah, down the I home mean, stretch of this one and you could feel the nerves you could feel the tension i said it on the broadcast it was delightfully horrible at times but like i say that in the best sense possible it's just like everyone was making returns everyone was forcing you to put a ball away and when things are that tight when you can feel the tension in the air it was just a reminder that like hey man this sport gets crazy yeah, it's yeah. You can say, "Oh, I'm not going to get tight." You can't talk yourself out of getting tight, and it happens. Yeah, sure. And and but I the other thing I'll say is, yeah, the that match honestly, other than the fact that it was the deciding match, and it can't you know, and they go two breakers uh, and then into a third was, and I don't want people to hate the fact that I say this. I hated the match. It was horrible. I mean, <laughs> this is how I felt about Georgia versus South Carolina yesterday. Yeah, but and here's here's why I hated it because both of these guys can hit the ball, and neither one wanted to. And it like you you said it very well. Like Py and Mike made made this point many times on the broadcast. He can flat out hit the ball and he can smack that forehand, but he was content as was Cannon, to just sit back. And neither one of them was really, was really even going for too much. They weren't going for too much, too much angle. There was a lot of just, let's just put the ball back. Yes, we'll move side to side, but I'm not taking too many chances. And then all of a sudden, P.Y. goes down 5-4, and he hit, I don't know if it was the 4-5 the or, or the 5-4 or the, you know, game or the 6-5 game, but he hit those two inside and forehands down the line, one of them a passing shot that were just, crazy good and you're like why aren't you doing this more often instead you're just sitting back and hitting you know 30 stroke rallies where it's not even you know it's not even anybody taking the initiative it's somebody just waiting for the other guy to give them the short ball or the ball they can hit a good angle off of and it just was it 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 wasn't super super fun to watch the atmosphere made it fun what was on the line made it fun but just watching the the constructions of the points wasn't great yeah you're not wrong at the same time you're not right because it was the competitiveness it was the energy both of these teams brought the intangible and that was the saving grace for what was at times you're absolutely right shaky tennis now let me say one other thing and in the spirit how close were you following the youtube comments closely yeah Okay, well, in the spirit of that, I would bet both Gruskin's left and right that 
Robert Cash was not going to win his match today uh, against Cleve Harper. Seriously, I was that certain that, like, this is especially third set Cleve, like, this is literally what he's looking for. Um, and credit to Cash, man. Like, he is that good. He's yeah, Cleve went up a break in the third, didn't he? Uh, he had break point chances. I don't think he ever I, went up formally a break. I think it was okay. two one on I, serve. Yeah, Cleve I couldn't remember. Up. No, and, and like – Cash was great. He was moving the ball around well. He himself was moving well. He was coming forward confidently. The only person who was confident finishing at the net down the home stretch of this match. Shout out to Robert Cash. Shout out to James Trotter. You and I have both taken a lot of pot shots at Trotter over the year. And I mean over the years. And he has just taken care of business. And truth be told, everyone on the Ohio State Buckeye team was crushed after the match. I looked at Trotter's face, and you could feel it the most. Trotter's like, what more can I give to this team than I gave today? And guess what? He won at the one spot. He won in straight sets at the four spot. James Trotter was awesome throughout the course of today. Still, Texas was better. Like, And this is their motto. It's Texas fight. Texas fight. Texas fights. Again, 100,000-foot view here. Are both of these teams in Tier 1 in your mind, Chris? Where do you have them now after after we see this thriller after, of course, we're two days into this indoors? Yeah, for, I, definitely they're both Tier 1. And I'll say, yeah, I mean, credit to Texas because if you tell – I don't care who the team is and 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 whether you have a, you know, a Kingsley in a, who in a third set but most of the time probably finishes it in two so it doesn't matter. If you tell me Ohio State's taking doubles and they're taking Trotter and Cash – and that they're going to lose, that all they have to do is that win Tracy, one. Kingsley, yeah. Boulay, and whoever was going to play six. I agree with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like that's, you'll take that, you know, seven days a week. 100%. And, and the one time it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's not like, it's not this moment where you go, oh my gosh, the sky's falling. We're in trouble. No. I mean, it's a, like you, you called it yesterday. It's a blip. I mean, big, you know, that's, we're, we're going to come right back. You know, they're, they're going to come back and, and go through the Big Ten season and be right back to what they were, and they will be just fine. I actually think this is going to be great for this Ohio State team because they're a little older, and you could just see on their face how mad they were after the match. And it reminds me of what happened to Michigan after the Ohio State beat them at the NCAAs last year where they were like, we will never allow ourselves to be in this position again. Let me ask you one stupid thing before we move on, because I do want to get a semifinal prediction. So we'll get back to Texas, I suppose, when we talk about their semifinal. But on the Ohio State side of things, Ethan Muskowski suggested or, or presented an outstanding hypothetical to me. Now, you're the professor. You're the math wizard relating to all things college tennis. Doesn't it benefit Ohio State if they lose to Virginia tomorrow, given that they beat Virginia on the road already this season? Like, mathematically, big picture, wouldn't it actually be better for Ohio State to go one and two? Well, that's that's hard to say this early in the season. Um, Assuming but, Virginia does Virginia things and wins another ACC title. But, uh, but it is it is hypothetically possible <laughs> that the that the tenth of a point deduction you'd get for losing to a top five team if Virginia could manage to get to be a top five team uh would uh yeah that th- and then you letting them beat you put them there mm-hmm. uh and you ha- still have the win maybe but the problem is the two wins over them are probably still gonna be better uh but especially given look l- I mean, it's going to be hard to say. You have to look at how many wins and over who Ohio State's going to have 
almost never would it actually work out that way. But it's a very valid point that it could be really darn close. Like it may not make a whole heck of a lot of difference, barring the fact that Virginia, for some reason, collapses or something. Yeah. Let's point out that Virginia, Ohio State, two teams who were preseason top three in our Cracked Rackets preseason top 10, they're playing the quarterfinal consolation match tomorrow. Like, God, I love this sport. It's the absolute best. And again, credit to Texas. Their fight tonight, that tenacity is everything college tennis is all about. And let me tell you, they haven't looked like their 2021 selves this much since the actual 2021 season. So credit to Texas, 4-3 winners over Ohio State. We spent 20 minutes on that one, Chris. That was unequivocally the match of the day. Now, I promise all of you listeners, we're not spending more than six minutes on the remaining matches. We might actually for Kentucky-USC, but let's stay chronological, reverse chronological here. All right. This should be quick. Well, I've been dreading this part of the podcast all day because if I'm ever going to get myself in trouble, it's now. Holy f***ing Chris. I have never, 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 never in my life seen a University of Michigan team truly look like a national championship contender. We were both there in Madison in 2020. That was somehow we cut the line of the roller coaster and we were holding on for dear freaking life throughout the course of that ride to the national indoor semifinals. And honestly, when Michigan was up, a doubles point five first sets on USC and lost that match. It was kind of like, yeah, that had to happen because you guys have been riding this unrealistic wave for the past three weeks now. But nothing was unrealistic about this University of Michigan win. And after looking bad in the doubles yesterday against Stanford, they smacked the defending champions, the University of Virginia, in doubles. 6-3 win at two. Styler Maloney continued to do their thing. Fenty Gavin Young up 5-3 at one. And then, return of the Mac once again. Return of the Mac. Nino's back. Return of the Mac. 6-3-3. Return of the Mac. Lefty's good. It's so so disappointing that all the listeners don't get to see the dance moves. They don't see the the shoulders jiggling. I know. Return of that music. Well, here's the thing. Again, and this is not meant to be disrespectful to UVA, but if you're a Michigan fan, to have Nino Ehrensteiner, who's been top 10 in the country in doubles, obviously did it with Andrew Fenty, uh, to have him back and to see he and Cooksey look as good as they did to channel. I, so I texted my little brother the moment I heard, and I've never, like, I've known Nicholas Gruskin for nearly 21 years now. He has never responded to a text of mine that quickly. We're literally in like six seconds. He's like, you're joking. He's like, don't mess with me right now, Alex. And like, that's that's Michigan doubles is what, I was, is what I'm trying to say. It's just they looked significantly better. The energy they were playing with smothered a UVA team that for what it's worth is still without Barbotzer, is still tr- clearly trying to find doubles teams. They put Will Woodall in at the two spot with Inyaki Montez. They s- sub out Mons Dahlberg here on this instance. But look, Michigan takes that 1-0 lead. Again, wins at two, three positions. And then uh, listen to how they got it done. 0-1 from Andrew Fenty over Nyaki Montez at the number one spot. That wasn't a glitch, folks. I You heard me correctly. 6-0 or 6-love, six 6-1 six for Andrew Fenty. He dropped one game on a deuce, you know, again, a deuce point where Montez hits a ridiculous volley 
What a day for Andrew Fenty. What a day for Andre Styler. Three and four over Doc Vaughn, Jeffrey Von der Schulenberg, a match where Von der Schulenberg didn't play bad. It's just one of those days where the weapons of Andre Styler, you're like, dude, you owe it to the tennis gods to pursue pro tennis. Like, please don't let the, te- the tennis gods blessed you with the body of Thor, the forehand of Delpo, and a damn good servant. You're going to go to Wall Street? Like, come on, man. You're the one guy who shouldn't go to Wall Street. Um, look, there's hyperbole here. But again, that's my reaction to this match. I've never seen Michigan look so good, and Will Cooksey, to his credit, capitalizing on the momentum he built yesterday, 4-3. and three. We can ignore the point penalty. Wasn't freshman Mons Dahlberg's finest moment, but felt like you knew where that match was heading anyways. And then, for what it's worth, 7-6-2 all, bigger steps up at 5. Looked like Gavin Young was about to force a, uh, a deciding set against Get Set 4, and... God damn, was Chris Rodesh good today. He was taking it to Maloney. Like, that's the one bright spot if you're UVA is it's like, all right, we got Chris Rodesh back. He's playing his best tennis once again. But those are all my thoughts on the match, Chris. I apologize for, let's see, how long was that monologue? Oh, nice. A solid four-minute monologue for you, Chris. The floor is yours. Your final thoughts, your total thoughts on this match. Yeah, I mean, they can't. You can't have too many thoughts. It was an absolute <laughs> beatdown. I mean, look, they came out, they took doubles convincingly. It was never close. Fenty, I mean, that was that was my biggest takeaway. Like, holy shit! If 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 Montez shows up and plays tomorrow, and he's and you know, and we don't find out he was hurt, and Grant and Fenty just played great regardless. But I mean, like. Where did the hell did that come from? And I love the post-match interview with him. He's like, <laughs> when he says like, well, I, I honestly, I didn't expect to play that well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, when a guy tells and you shout that. shout out, by the like, way, to Andrew Fenty for being honest in the moment. And you could see in his face he was, and by the way, he played the same against Arthur Ferry yesterday. Ferry was just on a different level yeah, than even yeah, Fenty yeah. was. Fenty was just on another planet. These I, He's just played so well these past yeah, two I don't want to say yeah, on another planet, but his best. To your point, it's great to hear him be that. He was just like, yeah, you could tell. He was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm playing well, but I didn't see that coming, you know? Uh, I mean, yeah, that was just, it, it, it was it was sick. And 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 what Styler then did to Von der Schulenberg, mm-hmm. you know, Cooksey had, had a good match. And again, that's a guy we've talked about it. Aaron Schneider's working his way back. That's going to be his spot. Uh, I mean, and so you're building, you know, you're you're building some good experience and some good confidence for Cooksey that, you know, when you're not going to feel bad with him playing there. Heck, I don't, I don't even think you feel bad if Swenson's got to play there. They're going to have two guys out that could easily be playing. Uh, and I mean, just everybody, like you said, Bickersteth wins a first set breaker and he's going young. Looks like he's going to split even Maloney who was, you know, who dropped the first set was, was five all serving and up in his service game could have easily pushed his to a third. I mean, they may not have dropped a point today. And we're talking about the defending national champions here with the, you know, basically the same team. Yeah, no bar. I get it. No Gianni Ross. You got two guys in at the end. But still, I mean, that's, you know, that's a very talented UVA team. Am I worried about UVA? No, no more so than I was before. I'm concerned at the bottom of the lineup, no matter what. Uh, and until we get bar back, it's the five and six spot. If we get a healthy bar, then I'll say maybe it's just the six spot. But, uh, but uh, no, again, Michigan was just, and it's, I, 
felt like that's what we expected at this point of the season and indoors. Michigan's just good. Okay, you said expected. They proved it, though. This was, yeah. again, the as as great as the Tennessee win was for a Michigan team earlier this season or as great as it was to go on the road and beat Baylor and beat NC State, you're playing the defending NCAA champions. Yeah, this yeah, this is, was yeah. another it, another level up, right? Yeah, great to win at Baylor, but we know Baylor's a little bit down. And great to, you know, all every like, like you said, the Tennessee win, but it was at home and Tennessee's been down. This is a team where, yeah, Virginia's just good. And to go out and yes, we all kind of expected it. Did we expect them to stomp them like that? Absolutely not. And that just, yeah, it's got to be a great confidence builder for them. They know they they belong. I I actually now kind of, I wish we had, you know, for the fans sake, I wish we were going to see that Michigan-Ohio State match early tomorrow. But uh, but yeah, credit to Texas. It's going to be Michigan-Texas. What, do you want me to die? Just yeah. you're ready for me to be killed on site. You're ready to have a heart attack at age 27. Um, yeah, uh, this match told me more about Michigan than it did Virginia. Let's remember, Virginia was 5-5 five and five last year after the national indoors. And to your point, no Barbotzer, who was kind enough to text me. He's in Charlottesville, didn't make the trip, waiting to get you know healthy, fit, to be at his best come the NCAA tournament, much as he was last season. But, yeah, I mean, the big thing for this Michigan team, how about this? It's it's almost like they won without Maloney. They won without Bickerstaff. It was the corners, Chris. One in six. Fenty and Cooksey who deliver the victories. I, I told Nikki he better write a six-paragraph apology to Andrew Fenty. Nikki, my younger brother, Nick Gruskin, who joined us on the preview podcast. I literally said, after all of your doubt, you better like I better see the notes app open on your Twitter, and it's Dear Andrew Fenty, I owe you a sincere apology for the many times I doubted your success. Over the, you know, again, we were both there in 2020. Maybe Andrew Fenty's just the best national indoor player in the world. Like it's just like again, he beat Yuya Ito at that event. I don't think Rinder Kanesh was playing one for uh, who was playing one for that uh, for that Kipsa. team. Oh, it's Habib or no or Vashiro. It was one of Habib or Vashiro. Who was that before? That, Kip- that was before. Yeah, no, Kip- it was after Kipson. Twenty eighteen. Kipson left twenty. Uh, it was twenty twenty. The national indoors. That was when they had ah. Aguilar, Vashiro, and Habib as that yep. top three. And you know, again, oh yeah, that was that was the that was the Aguilar Styler. Yeah, like, thriller. Oh. Where Styler came back after being down. Yeah. And so you know, again. All the credit in the world uh, to this Michigan team. And now I ask you, Chris, and I just got a signal, by the way, 10 minutes before they're going to kick me out here of the Access Tennis Center here tonight. So we're now officially on the clock. Apologies, folks, for messing around too much there early. But semifinal pick, Michigan-Texas rematch of the round of 16. You look for this Michigan team. They knocked out Texas 4-2 last year. They took doubles. Maloney beat an injured Braswell 3-3. You had Nino Aaron Schneider 6-6 over Waldeeb, and then it was Fenty from 4-1 down, 6-3, 4-6-6-4. He clinched uh, at the number three spot. Harper beat Beattie. Ciamara beat Bickerstaff. Styler Spaziri were at 6-all in the third and didn't finish. Different matchups, similar faces. Give me a pick, Chris. Uh, there's no way I'm getting away from Michigan at this point. Uh, they look just so good. Obviously, Texas did as well in knocking out Ohio State, but the Michigan doubles, Texas played. They were right there with Ohio State, couldn't close it. Michigan doubles is better. They should take the doubles point. I mean, boy, the the top the matchups at the top of the lineup are going to be great. Uh, it's it's going to be a war. I still think Michigan comes out 
four two could be four three. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really good match. And again, the recovery is going to be the key for Texas because they were pushed everywhere. Spiz played three, Harper played three, uh, Braswell played three, Py played three. Meanwhile, Michigan was off the court with three straight set victories and a doubles point. And you just feel like maybe on day two of an event that would matter less. On day three of the event, that second tough match for this Texas team almost certainly will factor into how those legs feel tomorrow. And again, it's the later it's the later of the two semifinals. It is the 3.30 p.m. Central time start, but you just wonder from an energy perspective, there is a world where Michigan jumps on Texas and they never let up. And that's what they did today against Virginia. That's the way Coach Steinberg coaches these Wolverines to play at the same time All I'm going to say as a final thought is Texas had revenge on their mind coming into this Ohio State match after being embarrassed in Columbus a few weeks ago. They got beat in Ann Arbor in a fashion they remember very well. P.Y. is up 4-1 in the third on Fenty before Fenty comes back to win that match. Spaziri had all the momentum at one. If P.Y. could have just closed things out, Texas probably gets to the quarterfinals last season. You always love, by the way, a little extracurricular activity. It's the Bruce Burke Bowl. Bruce Burke, former head coach for the University of Michigan, obviously uh, leaves the job after that 2014 season, heads down to Texas. Steiny takes over the University of Michigan uh, head coaching position, and you know now they go head-to-head in a national semifinal. So with all that said, again, 12 p.m., excuse me, 3.30 p.m. Central Time. That's going to be the start of semifinal number two between Texas and Michigan. Chris, I'm looking at the clock. I don't want to rush. Are you doing anything tomorrow morning? No. Okay, leave all this podcast in. What time do you want to record our front half recap? Because that match is obviously 12 p.m. Central Time. And so we are going to, actually, I think I was just given the green light. Is this the green light I can carry on here? Okay, go out the left doors. Got it. Thank you very much. Okay, this is the qualification I've been given, Chris. We are going to keep going then. Leave all that in, Super Producer Daniel right. stuff. Again, it's essentially a fake live show. We've got, yeah, about eight minutes left, if that's going to work for you. When he's done, i got to leave. Okay, I see him. I'll, can I throw stuff at him? Okay, I've been given the green light to throw stuff at him to throw to slow things down. But Throw balls all over the court. Exactly. All right. I, I apologize. That was a two-minute tangent. Maybe I will have West off. Do we leave it in, Chris? I'll leave it in. Okay, leave it in. Sorry, Let's folks. Okay, but we're going to go faster here. We agree, and yep. fans understand why. Hopefully you heard some of that exchange. Uh, again, I don't want to be rude to our lovely hosts here at the XS Tennis Village, but all right, we're going to go quicker now. Kentucky, 4-3 over USC. I mean, this match was your classic 4-3 thriller. This match had a little bit of everything. This match also made me look brighter than I've probably ever looked in my life. As down a set 6-3, I said, hey, Mike, I'll bet the house that Joshua Lapidot ultimately wins his match. And in the end, it was Lapidot 3-6-6-2-6-1, earning the clinching victory at the number three spot for UK. Now, if you're asking me for a silver lining for this Kentucky team, and again, a little bit closer here, so I'm going to be a, a less less summarizing, more specifics. Kentucky's 2-0 in doubles points. After each doubles point, head coach Cedric Kaufman has come up to me, giving me a fist pump and say, how about those Wildcat doubles? And I always get a chuckle out of it because I'm like, I know. I'm as surprised as I think he is. Um, it was a really good doubles point from this Kentucky team who may not tech, you know, have the – 
the technical aspects of doubles completely down yet in terms of what they want from a system play, but they have the energy down, Chris, and that's half the battle when it comes to this doubles point. And look, again, they get the doubles point, and they find three singles victories. It was Taha Badi getting the job done once again, 5-3 and three at 4. Charlie Cosne with the 6-4 third set win over Ryan Colby. Colby had game points to take a 5-4 lead in the third. All of a sudden, Cosne breaks, holds. He puts up point number three. And then, again, Lapidot comes through in the clutch, perhaps equally impressive for this UK team as they did it without Jaden Weeks in singles. Start on the UK side, Chris. What's your takeaway for the Wildcats as they advance to the indoor semis? Yeah, first I, I love what they I love what they did coming. You know, it's a little bit in hindsight now, but what they did to the doubles coming in, right? That they put some pairs together that hadn't played. You mentioned it. One of the biggest things is energy. They had been playing Draxel and Ieni together at one. Those are like two of the highest energy guys on the team. They put them on the same team. Now they've split them. You got Draxel and Weeks bringing the freshman along with them. You got Ianni with body. You got energy, big energy on both courts now because both of those guys are high energy. And look, Lapidat and Mercer have played together last year, this year. They're just good. We know that. So, yeah, I think that makes them a much better doubles team. And then- I also love to that point, Liam Draxel just says, Jaden, I'm going to I'm going to be rubbing the shoulders. I'm going to be following you everywhere you go. I'm going you're going to have to be deal with my energy because I'm throwing it in your face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, it, I mean it's his his energy is in fact it's one of those guys that you're you're on his side, you love him, you're on the other side, you can't stand him. I mean, sure. it's just that energy is it's great. Uh it's and it's so fun to watch and if you're a neutral observer, yeah, it's fun. Uh but then yeah, I I think we we got what what we wanted to see. I was a little surprised that they pulled weeks. I think in the end my assessment here, I love Kozne. I love that game. I think what they're looking at is I they think he's their five and the only way to play him at five this week, because unlike in the women's division where you are allowed to make one, you know, one lineup position moves mid tournament, you can't do that in the men's indoors. So they either play weeks five, Kozne six, or they pull weeks to play Kozne at five, which they did and play Mercer six. I think that's a tough spot. I still would rather have weeks in the lineup. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I love Kozne. I, I mean, Ieni is just I I still I still love him at two, but Lat to your point, Lapidat's great. Body is going to play to the competition level every time. It doesn't matter who you put him with; it's going to be a match. And they, yeah, I mean, I just I I, I like the team. I don't think they're ever gonna. I don't think against good teams you're ever going to necessarily see them roll somebody like you saw Michigan do today. Uh, I mean, it's, I think they're going to play just like we saw coming in. They go four, three with Lul. They go four, three with Duke. They played a match that could have gotten really close with Florida yesterday. Uh, especially get, had Florida maybe made a different decision at six, like they did today. And Orlikowski rolled at six playing instead of Greif. And then today four, three with USC. I see a lot of those kinds of matches in Kentucky's future. But I also think that they're the they're that good team that just finds a way. It may never be the same set of guys. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said. I still don't know how good this Kentucky team is because, like, again, Kosne, I'm believing in. I don't think Alafiani is is clicking on all cylinders right now. And credit to Peter Mock, who is top two good. He is just a well-rounded, athletic, 
can do a little bit of everything sort of guy at that number two spot. And look again on the Trojan side of things, I love their energy. This match got chippy between these two sides. Dostanich and Draxel, the only thing bigger than their forehands were how loud they were yelling after every winner that they hit. And, you know, again, oh my God, watching Steph in person. I was like, oh yeah, this is why you created the Dostanich bandwagon, Alex, because uh, it is that captivating even indoors when he doesn't have that much time. And just, you know, again, I thought Wistrada played the best match I've seen him play in maybe a year and a half. Like, he just took care of business. There was not a lot J.J. Mercer could do to hurt him. Ryan Colby's a swing player. Like, there will be five minutes where Ryan Colby looks like the best player in USC's lineup, followed by seven minutes where he should be yanked off the court and just be like, you know what? We retire. Congratulations. You've won the match. We just, we're not going to deal with Ryan and his body language at the moment. Uh, again, I thought this was a really, really good match on both sides, but it's the energy, it's how together this Kentucky team plays, and there is also a little bit of experience. Like, you can tell they've been through some battles. Again, guys like Draxel, Ieni, Lapidot, clearly body, even J.J. Mercer in the doubles. Like, you can tell this team's not afraid, and with Kosne clicking in the way that he did, uh, yeah, this Kentucky team through to the semifinals where, look, now they're going to face TCU, and we're going to do this one really quick. I have only one takeaway coming off of this match for the TCU Horn Frogs, a match where the first hour was really close. Like, UGA competed well in doubles. They competed well in first sets and singles. TCU is so good, Chris. Like, I had this conversation with my little brother. We talked for, like, 10 minutes today. I'm hoping to call him on the car ride back. TC, literally, that was a consensus. We look at each other and we're like going through all the takes and then it was like, hey, TCU is so good. It's like, oh my God, because like Sanders playing four. Like, oh, maybe it's a weak spot at three. Wait, crap, it's Jack Pennington Jones, the freshman who again gets his first big win of the season, a clinching win to send TCU in. Okay, well, maybe we can attack them at the bottom of the lineup. Oh, wait, it's Sebastian freaking Gorsny playing at the number five spot, the number one newcomer in all of college tennis who has to legitimately be put at number five, even though he's, what, like a 13.5 UTR, like right around a three, three and a half in the world tennis number ratings, like clearly a top half lineup of the player anywhere else. And then, okay, Maxted struggled today was still in position to force a third. And it's like, well, don't worry. We got Vivez. We got Jirasek just waiting in those seven and eight spots as well. Fomba didn't play that well today. And yet, like, Jake Fernley being a real deal number one guy, I think that's a huge thing for this roster as well. They just are that good. That's my takeaway when I look at this TCU team. Like, all due respect to Georgia, but, like, I don't know if TCU's on a tier of their own, but the top tier starts with them, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's what... Look, I'm actually encouraged for both teams a little bit here because, yeah, it was, especially on the scoreboard, it was a butt whooping. Mm-hmm. But Georgia had a lot of close sets across the board, but they're just... You you can just see it. TCU's just better. I mean, they just, they just are. And they've got two more guys sitting behind where... George is going, are we playing Pe- Perez Pena? Are we playing Paulsel? What are we doing at six? Right. I mean, 
And TCU's going, yeah, we're throwing Louie, but if we don't play him, we're playing Vivez. If we don't play him, we're playing Jirasek. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's so much talent on this team. And yeah, and they they look the part right now. They They absolutely are just rolling through everybody. That's exactly it. This team looks like a top dog, and there's just a calmness that they play with. It's a business mentality. I think it's very much reflective. No disrespect to you, Coach David Roditi, but it's very respective, uh, reflective of Devin Bowen, the assistant there, obviously, just as monumental. It's like, guys, you know, for Roditi, it's the fire that they play with. It's the intensity that this team brings point in, point out with with. Coach Bowen, it's just like, an I don't want to say professionalism because that sounds like I'm slighting Roditi, but it's just like the business trip mentality, you know that's from Devin Bowen. You know it's just like, guys, let's get on the court, let's kick some butt, let's get off the court. And it's just the, the combination of the two. This team is so freaking good. And like, again, I actually thought Georgia played their best match of the season today because they played uh, TCU even for... 90 minutes. TCU just able to pull away then in the end. But yeah, I really think TCU is is the clear-cut favorite heading into... Ah, uh, that's not fair. I don't think the clear-cut favorite because I... T- did you see what Michigan did today against Virginia? Yeah. You can't not you can't say there's a clear cut favorite when TCU and Michigan both had the performances that they did today when Texas has the pedigree and oh by the way, which of the four teams have we not mentioned? Oh, the one that made the NCAA finals last year in Kentucky. So, with all that said, last year, TCU was the number one seed at the NCAA tournament. Kentucky knocked them out in the quarterfinal round. Who's your pick in matchup number two, semifinal number one, 12 p.m. Central time tomorrow? I feel pretty good about getting this one right. For the record, I got that one right last year. I took okay. Kentucky in the upset. You did? Good call by you. I, I had that in our, in the brackets we filled out before the tournament even started. But this is a different TCU team. I mean, Kentucky, I Kentucky's good, and they're a team that's going to find a way, and they're going to play people tough and close. But golly, this there's... So much talent on this TCU team. There's, I, I can't, and the doubles are just, I mean, we'll, we're going to get a test for those new Kentucky doubles pairings tomorrow for sure. Uh, but look, every one of these doubles matches today was five all because they went seven, six, seven, five, seven, five. It was very Georgia. nervous. It was very slow to start. And yet TC, both teams were executing really well on serve to each of their credits, but you're right. It was a slow start, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I will, I will say TCU, you know, I don't know what the formula will be. Uh, Draxel may actually, ha- I mean, that may be a good match with Fernley. I think that's a match that that, that Draxel uh, has a good shot at, at you know, pulling off if Kentucky's going to pull off a win. But I don't know how they're going to get enough of those singles matches. It's going to be tough. Uh, I got I got to take TCU in like a 4-1, 4-2 match. It's hard to argue with that logic, Chris, and I am officially now getting the signal. It's time for me to vacate excess, so we're going to have to save some Constellation thoughts, I suppose, for our final wrap show. There were still plenty of fun Constellation events, but so you're making the pick straight up, TCU-Michigan final. This is your last chance to bail out. No, that's that's my pick, and I'll give you my, my five-second Consolation take. Cannot believe Stanford-Wake Forest. No, is no, 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 no. Offer the apology this second. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do it right now. No. <laughs> no, the, the first time. I'll do it for you. Brad Dancer, University of Illinois, on behalf of Chris Halioris, I formally apologize. The disrespect. 
that hey, I felt also. When, that I felt I also, Chris, I'm backing you here. When I get my socks, I was supposed to get at the indoors three years ago. <laughs> well, I looked at Coach Dancer this morning. I was like, you know, even in a loss last night, I thought your team really impressed me. And I'm realizing now how f***ing patronizing that was for me to say to him. Like, oh, even in a loss, you liked my team, Alex? Thanks. But, like, I really did. I said it yet. Did I not say yesterday how good that Illinois team looked? Yeah, and like, we both said, yeah, that we both thought they actually, I mean, they looked good against Ohio State. They looked very, very good. And again, it's a credit to the Illini uh, for their victory today. Yeah. So what's the 0-3 matchup? It's Stanford versus Wake on Stanford the Stanford and Wake Forest Florida on that. Versus Baylor. Baylor, Florida. Well, that's the match we expected on the right. Sure. Stanford, Wake, to say one of those two teams is coming out of here 0-3. Wow. Absolutely crazy. Well, if all that said, folks, that's day two of these 2023 Division One Men's ITA National Indoor Championships officially in the books. Again, we will be back tomorrow for our semifinal coverage beginning at 12 p.m. Central Time. A shout-out, of course, to my dear friend Mike Cation and our super producer Daniel Westoff for the f- editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible with all of that said for the fantastic Chris Helioris, who, by the way, any final thoughts? No. I like it. Then I'll four. let you get out of there. Yeah, the fantastic Chris Elliott. You can hear the urgency in my voice. Our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all for Semifinal Sunday. Thanks, everyone. 